is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. I walked out this morning and I wrote down this song. I just can't remember who to send it to. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend Good morning, good morning, good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I hope you all are having a wonderful Thursday morning. And so, as we always do, we are broadcasting live from our WWE Real 1100 AM studio here in Atlanta. And I want to thank you right from the beginning. Thank you so much for listening to us this Thursday and every Thursday. So I have to tell you all, we are coming up on our one year anniversary on the air in about two weeks. And that's very, very exciting for me. And again, um, I thank you all so much for your listenership, because without listeners, I wouldn't be on the air. So as we always do every Thursday, we shout out our Medical Minutes family. Shout out to my number one fan. Hey, mom, hope you're having a absolutely terrific Thursday morning. Shout out to Family Inn. My hometown, Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Hobbs, New Mexico, Houston, Texas, Seattle, Washington, Hampton, Virginia, Woodbridge, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Gadsden, Alabama, Center, Alabama, Oxford, North Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Temecula, California, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, College Park, Georgia, Opelika, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, Newport News, Virginia, Pensacola, Florida, Macon, Georgia, Ladson, South Carolina, and Centerville, Virginia. Thank you all so much for your listenership. Tell me where you are listening from and I will shout you out the next time we're on the air. As I said, we are broadcasting live from our studios here in WWE Real 1100 AM. You can listen live on that dial on your radios. You can also stream this show on www.real1100.com and you can watch us live on our Facebook page, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we are live now. So I'm saying hello to my Facebook family. We are a part of the Old Fashioned Health Network, and this show is not just an education movement, not just a radio show, but we are also a podcast. And you can find us on your favorite podcast platform, including but not limited to iTunes, Google, Captivate, Spotify, Amazon, Overcast, TuneIn, Pocketcast, and Stitcher. You can follow us on social media. On Facebook, we are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. On Instagram, we are at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And on Twitter, at Minutes Doctor. So, Again, I hope you all have been well this week. And so we're going to, like we always do, do our COVID update. So this week we're at 33.2 million cases, and that is only up 100,000. And I say only 100,000 because, of course, you know, there was a point in time where it was tens of thousands of cases from week to week. Uh, That case number is on the decline over the last 30 days, which is good news. We are also, unfortunately, at 595,000 deaths. Um, That is only a small increase, but an overall decrease in the rate of death from COVID. And so, again, we send out our heartfelt condolences to any family members who have lost someone uh, due to COVID-19. On the vaccine front, we're at 64% of Americans who are eligible have had at least one dose. That translates to 304.7 million Americans. And 141 million of those are fully vaccinated, which brings us to about 52% of the eligible population 
is vaccinated. Now, of course, uh, as we have talked about before, when we talk about herd immunity, uh, herd immunity comes in at about 70 to 80 percent fully vaccinated. So we are slowly making our way there, but we are on our way there. In other medical news, uh, the FDA has approved a new drug for the treatment of Alzheimer's. And this is tremendously exciting because uh, it's been about 10 years since a new drug has come uh, on the forefront of Alzheimer's treatment. Uh, But this medication, uh, and I'm going to try and say this word, uh, and I practiced at home. And so, you know, I was ready. But now here I am and I'm struggling with it again. Um, Let's see. Here we go. Aducanumab, there we go, I did it, uh, has been developed for the treatment of early Alzheimer's disease and has been proven to slow progression of the disease in comparison to current therapies, uh, which only address the symptoms. And so that is tremendously exciting uh, for those who are suffering uh, with Alzheimer's and more so for those who will be uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, because this uh, medication, as I understand it, works best in the early uh, in the early stages to slow the progression of the disease, which, of course, uh, if you have heard of Alzheimer's or know of anyone that has Alzheimer's, you know how devastating uh, this disease process can be, not only for the patient, but for those who love them. So today's topic, we're talking about depression. And we have our uh, our old friend of the show, Dr. Donald Sewell, who will be on air with us in a minute. But as we always do, I want to share a little bit of background information uh, with you all. So I'll give you a case study. Uh, This is a 27-year-old woman who was troubled by headaches and fatigue. She always feels tired and doesn't sleep well and wakes up early. Her symptoms began about three weeks ago and have been getting worse. She notes a lack of interest in her usual activities. She is missing work due to fatigue and an inability to concentrate. She is concerned that she is not spending enough time with her school-aged children and frequently has crying spells. She has unintentionally lost 10 pounds in the past month. So this is someone who is definitely suffering with a, a depressive disorder. So just to take a step back from that, um, you know, when we talk about sadness and grief. So sadness and grief are normal human emotions. And as we go through things in life, uh, we will experience sadness or experience grief. uh, And that is uh, most certainly appropriate. However, when these sad feelings persist or they interrupt our normal functioning, as in the case of this this young woman, um, something more serious may be going on. And and you definitely should uh, pay attention to that and bring that to someone's attention. So it is estimated that about 16.2 million adults in the United States and about 264 million people worldwide have at least one major depressive episode in any given year. There are several types of depression, uh, dysthymia, postpartum depression, which is more severe than just the baby blues, psychotic depression, seasonal affective disorder, which is due to a loss or less exposure to natural sunlight. You have your atypical depression and bipolar disorder, which is formerly known as manic depression, and then the premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, or PMDD, uh, which affects uh, menstruating women uh, around the time of their cycle, that they just really um, become become depressed during that time, and that is due to hormone uh, regulations. So that was just a, a small little bit. Uh, We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll get into our topic, talking with Dr. Donna Sewell about depression. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we'll be back after a short break. Why choose Just for Pets Wellness Center? Compassionate pet care services featuring an experienced veterinary team to superior customer service in a caring and friendly environment. We offer individual attention and tailored treatment for each pet. Visit our website for more information at www.justthenumber4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. 
sure to listen to The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In The Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There's a little black spot on the sun Welcome back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. On the line, we have our old friend, Dr. Donna Sewell of the Wellness Enclave. Dr. Sewell. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you this morning? I am doing well, doing well. Good deal, good deal. Thank you so much for coming back. So this is another first. A Dr. Sewell is my first repeat guest. So I thank you again uh, for your time and, and taking out to share um, with us. So, you know, in talking about depression, you know, because um, I guess using the phrase I'm depressed, we kind of have um, watered down that phrase and that, you know, to to um, to be anything that we are you know, sad about. Um, but mm-hmm. of course, depression in and of itself is is a much more serious um, expression there right. and so, um, you know, of course, we know about sadness and we know about grief, and there are um, expected incidences in our lives where um, we would expect to ex- to have extreme sadness, right? So, for example, um, the death or loss of a loved one or a pet, um, you know, is the one of the first things that comes to mind, or loss of a job, um, you know, is another thing. But when we talk about um, some atypical triggers for depression. Mm-hmm. What, what kinds of things would those be? So it's, it's, and I guess it's less about, I wouldn't call them triggers, but I will say the, the features. Let mm-hmm. me, let me say that. Okay. Um, so one of the things that we look at when we're talking about atypical um, depression, that could be anything from overeating, oversleeping, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things you, increase weight gain it could be that you are reactive to your environment meaning this you may be sad for a minute and this doesn't mean that you're manic uh-huh. okay uh-huh. Um, but you could be you could be sad for a moment but then if something positive happens then you react to it in a positive or congruent what we would say in a congruent manner but then you go right back to being sad um, and so those are some things that are atypical features. Now, what you mentioned before um, in terms of certain losses that you may have, like a person, a job, or, um, you know, just something in life may happen, we refer to those more like situational depression. Right. Okay. And in many and in many instances with those, medication is, is not needed or it's only needed temporarily. A lot okay. of times it's only um, psychotherapy that's needed. Sometimes it's not even psychotherapy. Sometimes you just work your way through those work things, way through it, sure. um, right? And and in many and people work through it in different manners, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But um, with those things, is is well, I want people to understand with a lot of the situational depression, you're going through a grieving process, like major life changes, retirement. Anytime mm-hmm. there's a major life change, you actually go through a grieving process, the same as you would if it was the death of a person or a pet. You know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, when I was doing research for the show, we talked about, you know, I researched about major stressors, right, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that can be, you know, that can be bridges to experiencing depression. And one of the major stressors that I, I was really shocked to see was moving. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, because, of course, you know, absolutely. this is something and, and as I think about it, you know, it does kind of give me pause, like to think about having to put all of my things into a box and take them from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Like I'm feeling the stress of just thinking about that. Um, but you know, that is in many instances, a happy, a happy situation overall, 
because you may right. be moving to a, a better neighborhood or a bigger house or you may be moving in conjunction with a, a better job or, or whatever. But just mm-hmm. the stress in and of itself of moving is enough to trigger some folks to to be, um, you know, to have this atypical um, expression right. of their right. depression. And, and I found that very, very um, intriguing that, you know, something that is happy can still lead to this profound sadness going into depression. Right. And so when you examine that, you, you have, I, as a clinician or as a, as a, as a therapist, we, I would examine that from a, di- a different perspective. Let's say if that person is moving for uh, better, we'll say just for better opportunities or some type of improvement mm-hmm. or, or step up, like they're not being evicted or anything like that. Right. Um, we have to look at how it's disrupting their lives, mm-hmm. okay? Right, because right. it's a possibility they may be working, or even if they're not working, they may have children. I have to put these kids, I, I have to, we have to change school zones. We have to do this, we have to do that. Mm-hmm. Am I going to find time to pack? And then, like you said, you're packing everything up, but also you're packing up your, your memories. You're leaving and stepping mm-hmm. into something mm-hmm. that is not comfortable for you. Because keep in mind, for most of us, my observation has been as we become older, we like we we like the known. Right. We do not like the unknown. Right. So also that 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 stressor that can lead to depression as well can be I am stepping into the unknown. I hope I'm making the right decision right. with this because I'm leaving everything that I know right behind. And so then let's look at the individual. We have to look at the individual when we do Therapy. I don't care what a therapist tells you. You know, we can have all these theoretical models, and and that's great. I'm not saying you can't pull from them, but in reality, you have to look at the person that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're looking at those things, you may have an individual who is a control freak. Mm-hmm. Like they have to have control over everything. Well, when I'm moving, I don't have you're that level control. of control that knocks sure. me off. That correct. That knocks me off my center, and so that may cause stress, distress leading to depression mm-hmm. for a period of time. So there are different variables when you when you look at that. Human behavior, you know, has a lot of variables and I know a lot of people who hate dealing with they don't I, when I, I know hate is a strong word, but they hate dealing with human behavior because it's nothing that you can really put in a box. Right. And that is what makes, you know, coming from a clinician uh standpoint, um that is what makes it difficult, um, you know, for those of us that are not in psychiatry, um, difficult mm-hmm. to recognize, difficult to recommend treatment, um, you know, it, it because everyone manifests somewhat differently, right? You know, because right. I think that, you know, from images in the media and, and what we may think in our own minds about what depression looks like. Right. It mm-hmm. is not someone mm-hmm. who is just sitting in a dark room crying all the time and crying all the time. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know, it and I know itself last time so I was on the show, one of the things I mentioned was that one of the things with that, that it was very interesting is in this book I was reading some years ago. And when I thought about it, I said, I said, that's that's accurate right there is that women of color, particularly, and it was focusing on African-American women. Mm-hmm. Um, those of us who identify as, as, as African-American um, females and we are considered to be uh, middle class or uh, you know professional middle class individuals we have high rates of depression but the way we cover it up uh-huh. is on the outside right you know it's like I'm going I'm going to go get my mani-pedi I'm going to have my nice clothes on you know I'm, I, I'm going to all of these places look at me you know and especially with social media now look at where I am now I'm over here on this beach. I'm in this country. I'm over here. I'm over there. So our way of dealing with it in many instances is to look as pulled together as possible when we're falling apart on the inside. Right. So it does. So it does look different for everyone. It's not just laying in the bed crying. It is agitation. Mm -hmm. It is irritation. I know, again, for many people, um, particularly (laughs) And, and I will go back to this for people of color. We have a tendency. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to sit in bed. I'm not going to cry all day. I have to get up and work. I don't have that luxury, luxury. to do that. Sure. I don't have that luxury to do that. Sure. So then what happens is that you're saying, I'm okay. I go to work every day. I pay my bills. 
my children are okay, all of those things. But here's the deal. Nobody wants to be around you because now you've become agitated. Every time somebody says something to you, you're grunting at them, Mm -hmm. barking at them. Mm -hmm. You're becoming irritable. Mm -hmm. So even though you may not be isolating, you're pushing people away with that, with that behavior. So your depression is manifesting through anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And so it does definitely for different people. That is Mm -hmm. definitely one of the things, um, because one of the conversation pointers that I am trying to steer myself away from is when I ask someone how they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and they say, I'm fine. Okay. Well, not everybody that says they're fine is fine. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. how do we, you know, just out in your common life, um, in mm-hmm. your, you know, in your goings through your day, how do we look at someone who says they're fine, who is dressed well and, you know, is doing their self-care and all of this, and they have themselves mm-hmm. seemingly well put together, but you're looking at them and something just doesn't seem quite right, but they're saying they're fine. How do we, um, how do we, how do we address that? Because, you know, of course you don't want to be confrontational and you don't right. want to wrestle right. everybody into a mental health conversation. Cause some people really are right. fine when they say they're fine. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so you don't want to just keep, you know, chasing somebody down. Like, I know you're not fine. Tell me what's wrong. You know, but how do we, um, how, how do, how do we, how do we navigate that when we're dealing with our friends and our coworkers and our family members? So with, with the, I'll start with the colleagues. So, so when you're with colleagues, um, particularly if you're, you're supervising someone, I will say this, everybody has a different supervisory style. But sure. if, if you are in, in a position where it's a colleague that you're close to or someone that you're supervising and you, and, and you feel you, you can be uh, open with them without, without violating any guidelines, rules, regulations, or policies, because we know we live in that type of society right, right now. Right. Right you don't want so, you don't want Janet from HR calling you. Correct, correct, correct. So one of the ways to address that, I, one of one of the things I look at sometimes is work. Mm-hmm. Even with all even with all of the sites that that I supervise on my primary job, one of the things I always do is look at work. I ask my mental health director that's on that specific site to if they're saying they're having problems, I'll say, have they been a good employee up until now? Whatever that may entail, you know, good documentation, seeing mm-hmm. clients, you know, whatever. Um, that's one of the ways you can tell if they're off, if, if they're kind of off of their game a little bit. The mm-hmm. work is not as, as it was or they're coming in late. Mm-hmm. And some, so one of the things is to address it is say, hey, I noticed, um, you know your work. Your work is not. You don't have to use the word, uh, the words, uh, or the the phrase up to par. But your work is not what it normally is. And I noticed that you've been coming in a little late. Is there anything that's going on mm-hmm. that opens the that door. you would like to discuss? And if you're not comfortable discussing it with me, or if you think it's going to make me biased, remember we have EAP. I'm not saying it's anything wrong with you, but but we have EAP. And EAP or is do you the need to, employment is, assistance, is employee program. assistance program. Yes. Most jobs right now, most companies right now are required to have that. Mm-hmm. The larger good. companies are. That's good. They're required to have that. And it's an HR. Most of the time, EAP, what, so what EAP is, is almost like solution-focused brief therapy. Some companies may only offer four sessions, some 10. Mm-hmm. Is not, most EAP, um, most employee assistance programs are not built into the company. So you're seeing somebody, they, they contract with someone and you go outside of that office to see someone. So it's not like you're seeing a person in the office building. And okay? that's, and so that's it's a good confidential. thing because, of course, yeah, the mm-hmm. confidential piece um, is very, very important. Um, you know, because I know, you know, as a physician, one of the things when I have to renew my license is they ask the question of, you know, have you in the last, you know, since the time, since the last time you renewed, have you sought mental health treatment? And, mm-hmm. and I'm always mm-hmm. offended by that comment. I mean, you know, in a way, I understand why they ask the question. Um, but again, you know, to me, it just makes me feel like if I were in this situation, am I not going to seek help because then I would have to report this? 
or correct and i'm not even sure that's an appropriate question i'm not even sure how they're right i mean and 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 it's there i don't know what happens if you say yes i don't know what happens Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but still you know just the thought of something potentially happening that could impact my earning right um you know and so you know having a confidential um way of going about getting help is just so important Um, You know, because, of course, you know, there is that stigma of seeking mental health, which leads me into my next question. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'm going to say that this is probably a two part question. Why Mm -hmm. is there such a stigma about mental health disorders and seeking help? And what can we do to decrease that stigma so that way more people will feel comfortable availing themselves to this therapy if they need it? So... So I I think within, you know, I sometimes I vacillate, so I'm getting ready to be Donna for about a minute and a half, not Dr. Jewell. That's fine. So, well, both so, of you are welcome. So, <laughs> so in, the, in, in the United States period across the board, um, we have been taught, and, and, and please, this is Donna's opinion, we have been taught to be strong. Mm-hmm. That's how you survive mm-hmm. in this society. That's how you move forward. That's what makes you a good businessman or businesswoman or business person. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I don't have to ask for help. I did everything on my own. We're very individualistic mm-hmm. in this, this country. I'm not going to say we, but we're, it's very individualistic. It's very much built up on work hard, stay strong, focus. You get what you need. Any, you cannot right. show any sign of what is, what is perceived As to weakness. be weakness. Yes. Asking for assistance or asking for help then becomes weakness as opposed to I need something to help me continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. I need something to assist me. I might need some building blocks to step up on and to to maintain what I have once I do get those things that I feel like I'm deserving of. Right. So those positive things. So I'm not going to stop and ask. For help, and that's just across the board. Mm-hmm. Now, let's now as the generations have progressed, I, f- I feel like we've gotten better Most as certainly. a society or, or, or within the United States in terms of asking for assistance and saying, okay, behavioral health is not just a is is not just something is is not a soft because they call it a soft science, and I, and I will go along with that to to a certain degree. But it was not even just a soft science. It's just like they, they're just throwing it out. There's just a bunch of whatever. Nobody knows right. what they're talking about. Right. And so we've gotten, we're moving past that. Now, in terms of if we want to break it down to, I am going to break it down to looking at the communities of color mm-hmm. across the board. Okay. Um, we are we are moving along in terms of asking for assistance, but it's a slow move. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very slow. I think one of the reasons for that <clears throat> is not only is it considered, it's still considered a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. As it, when you're living in a society as a minority, you really don't want anything that's going to show as mm-hmm. a weakness when you've already had a lot of negative things that have been stated about you or you've seen some things on TV or in books and those types of things. Yes. Definitely. So that is, yeah. one, that, that is one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, research will also show that, that with communities of color, there is a mistrust of systems mm-hmm. within this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is because we've been used as guinea pigs in some situations. Right. Um, also, a lot of times you'll find that the medication, although I deal more with the diagnosing and all of those things, the psychiatrists who deal with the meds and everything like that, one of the things that we found is that they're not providing the right dosages mm-hmm. to individuals, particularly black males. Uh, what we find is that the research and the studies are based up on, on, in terms of what's going to assist someone, they're based up on people who are in those trials and who are most of the people who are in those trials. Right. Are not black people. Okay. People of color. They're not correct. Sure. <laughs> correct. Right. Also, what we have to look at is a misdiagnosing. A lot of times they take cultural pieces and they make it into a diagnosis. And it's like, this is not a, this is not a diagnosis. This is that culture. Right. You know, and they do that with communities of color. Give me an example of that. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. What what would be an example of that? So a lack of cultural uh, competence. So when one of the things when I used to 
deal with individuals. I've seen uh, situations where I was dealing with someone who's Native American, mm-hmm. and also individuals out of certain um, communities, certain communities and age groups, like you know, much older in the Latino mm-hmm. population. They will talk about spirits sometimes, depending on what their belief system is. Right. Right. They will talk about spirits, or the, and especially when you're working with Native, older Native Americans. Um, that is how, when they talk about that, that is their center. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? When they talk about their spirit guides and things of that nature, that's their center. Right. That does not, they're not bipolar, and they're not schizophrenic. They're not psychotic. They're not right. hearing voices. Right. 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 And, and, and again, you know, coming from the, the clinical piece of that, if you don't have that cultural competency, um, you know, and someone comes in talking about how they're communing with the wolf and, you know, this is their spirit. It does right. sound a little strange. Right. Um, so you're in. So what you are have to do is then ask more questions mm-hmm. to, to kind of understand, to understand what is going on and to say, oh, okay, I, I see. So you have to look at some, and, and so there are more questions coming from a behavioral health standpoint that you have to ask, but unfortunately, those are not things that are done. Right. I mean, and I've even seen it in my area in, in mental health. I've even seen that. So, so, and then the other pieces, we have a, a lot of times we have to make a choice, and I'm sure you, you've heard this, we have to make a choice between um, what we can afford. For healthcare, so right. so, yes. so it's like okay, yes. this might be extra money. EAP is not, but I may not have a job that's offering me EAP, so I have right. to go on Blue Cross Blue Shield, right, and pay a copay, right. Okay, so if I if I have to do that, and it, so it's a couple of things. One, if I have to take off work, am I going to take off work when I need to feed myself, feed my children, and do whatever, or am I going to go to this appointment who they're just going to sit up and talk to me and they don't really know me? Because right. that's another thing. They don't really know me. Right. Am I going to do that? Do I have the time or the money to spend for that? Lack of transportation. So that's access to health care. You know, you're dealing mm-hmm. with a lot of health care disparities. Right. So there are a number of pieces. And then just really, again, dealing with, and, and I'm going to further narrow it down to many African-Americans. We don't know what mental health looks like. We don't know what, what those symptoms look like. Right. We have a lack of awareness in terms of, and I use this example all of the time, you didn't know that the uncle that you were not supposed to talk to that was locked up in the room when you were growing up had mental health right. issues. Right. You didn't know that. You just knew you weren't supposed to go back there and bother him. And if you did and he started fussing at you or threw something at you, you were the one that got cussed out, not him. Because right. what was said to you was, I told you not I to go back there and bother back there. Right. I, and, I told you that. And, so we don't even recognize into, those symptoms right, sometimes. Right. Because the recognition piece is, is so important. Um, you know, even if you don't know the appropriate clinical terms... Um, you know, even if you say, you know, because people used to say back in the day, I don't know if they still say this, that, you know, that that someone's over there, they're a little bit off. Right. Right. Well, right. that you know, the, if you have to make that statement right there, that is your recognition that something is a little bit different about this person. And I think that it is very important that if we do identify these people as, quote unquote, a little bit off, that we don't push them away and push them out of our social circles and our familial circles that instead Mm -hmm. we bring them in and recognize that there is something different here and perhaps even get these individuals the help that they need because putting, you know, putting the, the, the uncle in the room isn't helping the uncle. Right. And it is, and it isn't helping the family to understand that, you know, this may be a genetic thing. So when nephew comes up or niece comes up and they're behaving the same way as the uncle that was in the room, you know, years ago, nobody's putting that together. Correct. Correct. You know, that these things may be related (laughs) as these people are related, you know. Um, Right. And and so, you know, when when we when we cut cut off um, and ostracize, we really are doing a disservice to everyone, in in my humble opinion. Um. You know, because again, no, I I agree, and it's interesting that you brought that up because people who work in the same field that I do, I've had people say multiple times, I didn't even really know what was going on with my mom, dad, sister, grandmother, aunt until right. I got into the mental health field. I started looking back, and I was like, oh, there's oh. bipolar. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, they they were schizo, you know, they were schizoaffected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and they didn't know until they got into the behavioral health arena. Right. And and I'll point up and, and if you can um, you know, piggyback on this, another another issue um is that people that have mental illness will self treat. They will self medicate. Right. They'll so self medicate. They, so they don't know what's wrong with them, but they know that when I take a drink I'm able to be quote unquote better. Correct. I am able Correct. to be, quote unquote, normal. Right. But and of course, so what that happens is, with that, mm-hmm. it's a, so that's a number of things. One with the normality, one when you talk about being, quote unquote, um, normal, normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quote unquote, normal. When you talk about that, a lot of times I hear that from people who are hearing voices who have psychotic features. Interesting. Um, and, and they have psychotic features. Um, so when I say that, meaning hearing or seeing things that aren't there, sometimes tactile hallucinations, mm-hmm. um, they, like they feel like something is crawling on them. And these are things that occur when they are not under the influence mm-hmm. of drugs um, <clears throat> or, or alcohol. And so a lot of times what I'll hear them say is it, it will make the voices go lower or it will, um, you know, it silences them or they start saying more positive things to me. Because here's the thing, a person who does suffer uh, with, with uh, auditory hallucinations those voices are not going away they will get right. lower they may they may say kinder things to you mm-hmm. um depending on the medication but they're not going to go away right. um but oftentimes i'll hear people say that they smoke um like they they smoke marijuana or um what what does your friend alvin like to call it grass he's old cool like grass or something <laughs> like that. why you gotta be just my so friend you knew him first <laughs> wait a minute Wait a minute. <laughs> so, so, many, so in many instances, they, they'll, in, in many instances, seriously, they'll smoke for that. They'll smoke. Right. Um, also, the drinking a lot of times deals with people with depression and things of that nature. But here's what I need for people to understand who self-medicate, regardless of how they self-medicate. Because some people self-medicate through shopping. I've seen uh-huh. people do that. Uh-huh. Um, eating, all uh-huh. of those things. But when we start talking about drugs and alcohol, Realize this with alcohol, especially that's really a depressant. So while it, you may be okay for a minute, if you, if if you're a person who drinks, what you do know is eventually you start getting really really sleepy because mm-hmm. it makes your mood because it makes your mood lower. So that eventually that's not going to work. The right. other piece is going to happen is if you continue to self medicate, then you will start becoming dependent on those drugs or alcohol on that drug or alcohol, and, and what will happen addiction. then is you will end up being more depressed because when you start focusing your time on that drug or alcohol to make you feel better or to normalize mm-hmm. you, then that causes a level of dependence. You feel like it's, it's a slow process for many, but you feel like I don't feel normal. The only time I feel normal is when I have something this to drink. drink. So you right. start drinking more and more often. If you start drinking or using drugs more and more often, then what are you going to do? You're going to neglect the other duties around you. So the few times you sober up and you get straight, you're going to look and see bills piling up, Mm -hmm. possibility of lost job or close to losing your job, Mm -hmm. family relationships or friendships dissipate. Mm -hmm. You're going to see all of those things. Exactly. And And so it's not going to do anything. It's it's, it's a slippery slope. And then you get into the the addiction arena. um, Correct. You know, which has its own things. So, you know, so within your family structures, um, you know, if you have someone who is constantly drunk or constantly high they may mm-hmm. be hiding a mental illness that's correct or, or masking that, i should absolutely. say masking a mental illness um because there, there definitely is a relation between drug and alcohol abuse and mental illness and um, so the way we deal with that is is this before we diagnose someone we would love to. This doesn't always happen because, you know, like if you work somewhere in the ER, you can't do it because it's fast right. paced. Right. But if a person <clears throat> had what we call a co-occurring disorder, meaning substance abuse and mental health, mm-hmm. uh, so addiction and mental health, what we like to do is before we make a true diagnosis, that person does not need to have drugs or alcohol in their system for at least 30 days. Right. Um, before we can make a really clear decision on whether or not there's some mental health things going on and the reason for that is because when a person is withdrawing from substances a lot of times those withdrawal symptoms will mimic a mental health disorder or a psychotic disorder because you can be you can have hallucinations when you're under the influence of drugs or alcohol 
Right. And exactly. so, and, and it's not just that. There are other things as well that I know we don't have time to go into, but they, they definitely, when you are abusing, because when you're abusing something, that's when you start to withdraw symptoms when you don't have it in your system. Mm-hmm. So when you're abusing the drugs or alcohol, they and you start withdrawing, again, they will mimic symptomatology of certain mental health diagnoses. So that's why it's best to have something out of you your system for at least 30 days. Sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, mm-hmm. so just a couple things before before we end the segment, um, you know, a couple things that you touched on about um, medication, you know, medical therapy that, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of the times I find that people and I don't know if this is, you know, just people's hopeful or wishful thinking um, mm-hmm. or if this is an issue of, you know, the influence of these medical shows where, you know, you have a life threatening condition at the beginning of the show and then you know 27 minutes later you're completely cured okay Um, you know because that's not how it happens because that's completely how it happens in real life right Um, you know that I find that people have a lack of patience with medical therapy you know and and not just with mental health but just across the board you know people will say oh you know my doctor put me on this medicine and you know and it's not working and then I ask them well how long have you been on this medicine five days well wait a minute correct (laughs) you know and and because and I will say this so let me just put this out there every individual while physiology is at its baseline the same it is also very individualized. So what works for one may not work for Correct. you. Correct. What, what dose works for your sister may not work for you. And so you really have to be patient with trying a different therapy. You know, just don't give up on on the therapy because this first pill didn't work for you. Because that Absolutely. pill may have different doses and you may just not be at your sweet spot yet. Or it right. may be that this particular medication is not going to work for you at all, but then there are other therapies that are right. available. And, and what I wanted, there, so there are two things because I want to make sure, because you did ask me a question, I didn't get to it. But with that, what you're saying with the medication, I want every, I, I also want people to understand that in our, I, I can only speak for behavioral health, a lot of times in behavioral health, the medication like like alcohol or drugs, that's like an addiction. That's mm-hmm. symptomatic of what's going on. So it's best if, you know, if you're placed on medication, psychotropic medication, medication for mental health diagnosis, to also still seek, you know, seek out therapy because there may be some underlying issues going on. And so you still need to address the root of what's going on so that you can have some closure and or develop some coping skills in addition to taking that medication right. if the medication <clears throat> if the medication is needed and also I, I know you asked what can we do to um to you know to, to kind of minimize the, sure. the, the stigma decreases one of the things is this don't be afraid to ask for help find somebody that you're close to and say hey something is not right and however you need to express it to them then at least you're getting it out right. that's the first thing the second thing is this know who to seek out a lot of people are like I want to go, I need to go see a psychiatrist when they do seek out treatment. Well, here's the thing with the psychiatrist. They're generally going to do med management. The majority of them do not do therapy. therapy. So they will have you in there 15 minutes, prescribe that medication, ask you if it's okay, if you're renewing it, and move on. Right. So there are people, you can go to a licensed professional counselor. You can go to a licensed clinical social worker. You can go to a licensed professional counselor. There are psychologists that do therapy, but most of the time they do research and they focus on a certain area like mm-hmm. autism or something like that. So they can do a lot of testing. But still, there are some that do research and you can go to, I mean, uh, therapy and you can go to psychology today and you can find those individuals. Also, don't be afraid. Everybody that you sit in front of does not have to look different from you. Right. Okay. You, it's okay to find someone who looks like you, whether it's a gender issue or whether it's a race or ethnicity right. issue. And also understand that you're always going to need help. We have to get help in life to do everything. We are an interdependent society. We have to rely on each other. If your car is not working, you have the money, you're going to what? Take it to a mechanic or you're going to take it to JoJo, the, the, the shade tree, Somebody. who can hook you up. But you're going to get Somebody's going to fix it. Right. You're gonna, so when you are feeling broken, it's okay to get that assistance because you may just need 
to be fixed. You may need a little tune-up. May That's need a it. little tune-up. That's it. I love that. That's a great way to end this segment. Dr. Donna, so of course, you know, I, I've been thinking, you know, this collaboration is great, and I, and I enjoy this. So, of course, I'm going to be in your inbox in a minute, you know, about our third session and maybe even a fourth session when we come back into our, <laughs> no our, problem. our second I, I year. I enjoy being I, on the show. I enjoy this. Dr. Donna Sewell <laughs> of the Wellness Enclave, tell us about the Wellness Enclave, where we can find your podcast and your show and where we can hear more about these, about this great mental health uh, information that you give out. Sure, sure. You can, um, so the Wellness Enclave can be found on my app, the Wellness Enclave, which is both in the Android and the Apple it's on Android and in the Apple Store. Also, you can find it on the podcast. And I have a, I, also, you can hear me online. So I'm on 22.3 TakeoverVegasRadio.com. It's online. You can hear me every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Nice. Dr. Donna Sewell, everyone. Thank you so much, Dr. Sewell. We'll be back right. after a short break. This is Dr. Carissa Hines with Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We'll be back. fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmask.com. Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. And we're back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We have been talking about depression. And so in the last few minutes that we have, um, I want to talk to you all about risk factors and causes and things that we can do. Um, of course, risk factors, if you've had a personal or family history of depression or other mental illness, um, that does put you at risk. And, you know, so it is important to know what's going on, not only with yourself, but within your family, because as we discussed, um, you know, the relative that nobody talks about that has mental health that may be a key to understanding what's going on with you. Um, if you have any major life changes, trauma or stress that is more than uh, what you feel is usual um, or is overwhelming, um, then that can lead you to um, to experience depression. Of course, any physical illness, uh, particularly chronic illnesses, particularly fatal chronic illnesses, um, you know, depression can be a part of that. And there are some medications, of course, um, that can um, put you at risk for depression. Um, so, of course, when we look at causes um, um, of depression, um, abuse, either physical, um, mental, psychological um, abuse, um, a lot of abuse victims will also note um, some depression um, as well. Um, um, it is more common, although there are children and adolescents uh, who suffer with depression, um, the more common, it's more common in adults uh, aged 45 to 65. Um, of course, uh, death or a loss can uh, trigger sadness, grief that can progress into uh, depression. Uh, females are more um, more susceptible to depression uh, at a two to one ratio compared to our male counterparts. That does not mean that my men folk do not experience, uh, experience depression because y'all do. Um, and I hope that you all are seeking the help that you need for that. Of course, there is a genetic component as well. Uh, depression is a leading cause of disability and is the most common mental disorder. So, of course, you know, you can't talk about depression, and I hate that we have only a few minutes to talk about suicide. Um, but suicide, of course, is the most extreme expression um, of mental illness, be it depression, uh, psychosis, whatever the case may be. And so if you think someone is at immediate risk of hurting themselves or hurting someone else, um, you should call 911 and wait with that person either on the phone or in person until help 
arrives. Uh, you want to, if this person is in your household, you want to re remove any modality that they can use to hurt themselves. So any weapons, uh, guns, knives, um, medications uh, as well, you want to remove those from the environment. Um, if someone is coming to you, um, you know, if you ask them that question, how are they doing? And they say, I'm not fine. You want to listen to them without judgment. Um, you want to refer them to a professional. And as Dr. D Dr. Donna talked about, you know, there are psychiatrists, uh, social workers, uh, psychotherapists. You can also look to your religious leaders as well as they are, are well-versed in doing counseling. But if one modality isn't working for you, try something else and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying until you find what works for you. Um, and there is a helpline. Um, you can call 1-800-662-4357. Again, that is 1-800-662-4357 for uh, anonymous uh, help with any mental disorder that you may have. That helpline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I am not going to do our vitamin C today because I wanted to take the full time um, to talk about this important topic. And of course, we will uh, jump on this again. But before I go, I do want to talk about, you know, to address one myth um, about mental health and about depression in particular, that, you know, if you are a strong person mentally, that depression does not and cannot happen to you. And, uh, you know, experiencing depression has nothing to do with mental stress, uh, excuse me, with mental strength. Um, you know, it, this can happen to anyone and for any any number of reasons. And so, you know, don't give in to those familiar or community myths as to why this is happening to you. Until we meet again. So we're going to take two weeks off um, because I'm going to prepare for our anniversary show and take a little bit of a rest. So I'm very excited about that coming up on a year. That's crazy. Um, and so until we meet again in two weeks, be good to yourself and be good to each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another Old Fashioned Health Network show on The Real 1100.